This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. All right. Is it all right if we just connect to God this morning? All right. Well, we've been after seeking the face of God, uh, uh, and I presented this to you last week for five key blessings to, to minister and touch within our church in the first 21 days. And I'm believing that God's going to touch each of your families and lives this way. And last Sunday, before people even got home, the blessings started manifesting. So we're going to pray over these things today. We're going to believe God for these things today. And we're going to ask God to move in five key areas in our children, in our finances, and in our uh, relationships, and in our emotions. And if all of those are in line, we're then ready for our calling. So why don't we bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence, for your spirit, for your grace. I thank you for the anointing that I feel in this house today as you've been, been ministering to us. God, I can't tell you how hungry I am to see a move of God in the life of my children and the children of this house. Lord, pour out your spirit upon our families. Pour, come on, I need somebody to agree with me right now. Pour out your spirit upon our families. Lord, break generational strongholds, tear down walls, cause up coming victories to increase in their life, Father, so that they too can stand and say, I have seen the salvation and deliverance of God. Father, for our finances, I thank you that you're in control. You are faithful. Lord, we're asking you that as we honor you with our finances, that your word will come into place, and Lord, that we will receive from that reward. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Thank you for everyone who's willing to receive that. Father, for our relationships, God, we're asking you for whatever has separated our relationships to be healed. We're asking you to fix what seems to be unfixable. We're asking you to restore what seems to be without a a restoration. God, we're asking you to pour out uh, your will upon our relationships. God, help us to walk in honesty and truth with one another. God, we're asking you for our emotions, oh God. You see what's going on with our emotions. And I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will cause us, according to your scripture, it says that we will fear no bad news, that we won't be tossed to and fro, but that instead, and I love this 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 word, Lord, that we would be passionate for you and, and not controlled by the emotions of fear and doubt. Come on, somebody needs to agree with me right now. You need to receive that. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Father, I thank you that when all of these things begin to come into line, we shall see people arise into their callings like never before. And Lord, today I pray that you'll speak to us through your word, change our hearts, change our lives, and make us yours. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. It's an honor to get to share with you about what God has been doing in our church. It's an honor to get to tell you that uh, God's been up to some amazing things. And and last week we started talking about those blessings. But I, I told you that there was a passion in my heart to talk to you about light to talk to you about the power of the light to overcome the darkness and so our 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 verse that we're going to be studying during this series 
comes from John chapter 1. Now, you want to find John chapter 1, but we're also going to put our finger over in Ephesians chapter 5, and I want you to mark that. But in John chapter 1, verse number 1, from the Plowman translation, I want to read this to you today. It says this, Before time began, the Word already existed. And in the Greek, this is what we see. The Word lived, watch this, face to face with God. The Word was God. Let me say that again. The Word was who? God. Since the beginning, the Word has stood united with God. He is the creator of all things. He's the creator of all. All things exist at His command and by His hand. Not one thing was made without some reflection of Himself in its design. Notice verse number 4. His reflection was a source of light that all men may live by. His light still shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never overpowered it. Now you this morning are the first congregation to receive from this brand new translation. And as I'm reading this to you, I thought it was very important to use this translation because I love the way that last line reads there. And the darkness has never overpowered it. If you will look in your more traditional translations, you'll find a little asterisk or T mark there beside the word where it says the darkness did not comprehend it. And what it's saying there, if you'll follow that asterisk or that little, little mark of reference, it's saying then it leads you to the place where it says it did not overpower it. Let me just go ahead and just, just, just preach for just a second and tell you that the darkness has never overpowered the light and the darkness will never overpower the light. Can I get an amen for that? And so even though the world didn't know what it was dealing with, it could not stop the move of the light of Christ. I thought about as I studied this week how that when Adam and Eve stepped into darkness out of the light of the reflection of who God is into darkness with their sin, how that the very first thing they did was want to cover up and crawl back into darkness. And how that it was the chaos that they stepped back into that mirrored the chaos that the world was in. How many of you understand that the enemy wants your world in chaos? So if the enemy wants your world in darkness, if the enemy wants your world in chaos, we have been been given a better promise in Christ Jesus that we have the light that brings order into the darkness. You see, the darkness thought that it was winning. But even at the darkest moment when Christ hung on the cross, the darkness could not overpower the light because at the darkest moment, the light shines the brightest. From the very first words of God... We've been trying to figure this out. How do we respond when he said, let there be light? Let there be what? Let there be light. Now, when I want to learn to walk in this, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to learn some things. And one of those is I'm going to have to learn, uh, by imitation. We learn by imitation. You know, we, we've always been, uh, uh, Christine and I have a bit of a competition. I will go ahead and tell you I'm losing right now, but you see, our children learn to, to communicate, uh, by imitating the parent. Okay. 
So they, they hear you speak, they imitate you, and they then learn to speak. So obviously, whenever we're around our youngest grandson, I'm, this is how the conversation goes. I get down in his face and go, pop, 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 papa. Because I want him to imitate that, all right? I want him to say, papa, do you know as to date? I don't know if it was, but I'm pretty close. But he's got Nene down really well. And she's spoiling him rotten because she won in that imitation. It's sort of, I'm also trying to learn how to fly fish. Any fly fishermen in here? Anybody like fly, fly? Well, you're, okay, I got a few of you over here. So you may have to help me, but I'm trying to learn how to fly fish. Now you remember when you wanted to do something back a few years ago, maybe when, when some of us were a little younger, we wouldn't got a book. Remember those books? And you read a book on it, and, and in the book it had this thing called step one, step two, and, and it would illustrate this with illustrations. And so, you know, you'd have step one. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out the line. Step two. Step three. Well, I'm somewhere stuck between two and three right now. But in that, it's not a book that I'm going to. Now, if I want to learn anything, I simply go to, you've been there too. We go to YouTube because, watch this, we are imitating what we see there and thus learning it. Now, this is important. As we're living in our lives and we're learning to imitate things from the very beginning of our life, we are learning and we're growing by imitating others. The question, though, becomes what or who should we imitate? Should we be like this person that we look up to or should we be like this? But how about this? What if we begin to imitate the life of Christ? You see, as we begin to imitate the life of Christ, we find our identity as a child of God. Not only do we find our identity as a child of God, but listen to what I'm about to tell you. We find the way that we are supposed to imitate God. We find our identity and how we're supposed to imitate. Let me say it this way. Identity and action are interlinked. Who you see yourself as will determine what you do. It will determine how you respond. It will determine what... Uh, happens in your life. So if you see yourself as rough and tough, when the moment for your response to comes, you're going to respond. Uh, I don't know why the Spanish word machismo came to my mind right there. You're going to, you're going to respond with that roughness. If you see yourself as defeated, you'll respond from a place of defeat. If you see yourself as broken, you'll respond in a broken way. If you see yourself as irredeemable, you'll respond as one unredeemed. If you see yourself as a blood-bought child of the living king, then your identity by who you are in Christ is going to translate into how you respond, and you'll respond, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit, you'll respond with an imitation of who he is. Now, to understand the power of that, we've got to go to Ephesians chapter 5 for just a moment. 
And in Ephesians chapter 5, we learn a very powerful verse here that leads off. We're going to go through several of these. Stay with me there. But Ephesians 5, verse number 1 says this. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Watch it. It gives you your identity. Your identity is that you are a child of? You're going to have to help me here. Your identity is you're a child of? God, you're a child of God. And because you're a child of God, you should then imitate God. Because your identity determines your actions. Are you with me? And these being so intertwined, I think the problem is, though, we mistake what the word imitate here in Ephesians 1 means. And to understand that, we've got to go back to the word imitate in the Greek. And the word in the Greek for imitate here is momentous. And momentous is the word for where we find our root for imitate or emulate. But here's the problem. When you imitate someone, it's only for a moment. For example, I have a friend that every time you talk to him when he gets excited, he takes his hands like this, puts his hands together like this, and talks to you like this. And he'll be talking to me. And, and he'll know I'm picking on him because I'll put my hands together and go, I agree. Because I'm imitating him. Are you with me? But can I go ahead and tell you now? That hurts. I don't know why that's comfortable to him. It's not comfortable. It's not natural to me. So I'm imitating just Doing an impersonate. Now I'm told that our, our middle school pastor, Pastor Jacob, does a really great Pastor Don imitation. Impersonation. He's agreeing, but for sake of your job, we're not going to let you do that this morning. But you see, an imitation of him lowering his voice and saying something I say all the time, like, I feel God. Come on. Every time I go to some churches, I walk through the door and they go, Amen. I'm like, excuse me. They go, you're the amen preacher. I'm like, would you tell my congregation that? Because I can't hardly buy one. Come on now. Amen? amen. But I'll go somewhere and somebody will say, just say God. And I'm like, excuse me. They say, say God. I'm like, do I say it like that? And they go, yes. Because <laughs> they're doing an imitation but that's not the word momentous. Momentous is not an imitation that happens once. Momentous is a word that goes on. It continues. It becomes a reflection of who we are. So we pick up something. He may do an impersonation or an imitation. I laugh because his dad will tell people, this is what pastor's going to tell you if you ask him that. You'd be amazed how many people have come to me and said, hey, I need to ask you something. I'll, I'll, I'll respond and they'll go, that's exactly what Pastor Michael said you were going to say. What Y'all must have talked. And I'm like, no, he just knows me because we worked together for over 25 years. You see, the momentous can only occur when you have spent time together. When you've done life together. When you begin to realize it's more than an imitation, it's a who you are. Let me give you an example. Maybe this will help you better. The momentous 
is not when you say, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? Because let's just say, have you ever run into anybody, and I don't know how to put this nice, uh, stupid? Somebody's like, why'd you look at me when you, I'm not talking about you. But have you ever run into anybody that you're going, Pastor, did you just say stupid from the, I just said it twice. Okay, you're going, no, no, no. Let's talk about politics. No. <laughs> because you'll begin to think that somebody in the room is not very smart. And so when you interact with that person that you think is not intelligent, an idiot, or dumb, or whatever, you, you think, you know what? I can, watch this, imitate Christ by treating them with respect. Now, how many think that's a good idea? That's a great idea, but that's not what Ephesians 5 is talking about. Ephesians 5 is not saying, imitate Christ so you treat them with respect. It's momentous says, watch this now, momentous says that I encounter someone that has a different idea than I do, maybe they look at things differently than I do, and so because we're having some kind of difference of opinion or whatever, I still treat them like Christ would have me treat them, but momentous says that when I get home alone with her, the way that I describe them in private doesn't change from the way I treated them in public. See, imitation says, oh, I'm trying to show you Jesus. But momentous says, I'm still showing Jesus when I'm describing them to my wife. Are you with me? It means that when you have to give a conflict with a coworker in the morning, you're not gossiping about them in the afternoon. Because the conflict has the imitation that has to come into place, but the momentous comes into place when you're still doing what's right later when you're comfortable and things have calmed down and you're around others. You're not trying to make yourself look better and make yourself look like you won the argument or make yourself somehow look like the better neighbor between the two because the momentous says, I'm going to be Jesus whether somebody's watching or not. I'm going to be Jesus when I'm at home. I'm going to be Jesus when I'm in public. I'm going to imitate God. I'm going to momentous God in such a way that it's going to change my life so radically that no matter where I am, I'm revealing Christ. Verse 2, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexually sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Can I get an amen for that? I got half of you. Last service, the amen was so weak there, I thought I was going to have to do a series on that. Such sins have no place among God's people. Watch this. Sexual sin, that means having sex with somebody you're not married to, living in impure thoughts, actions, and deeds, and living driven by greed has no place with the people of God. Are you with me? Here's the problem with this verse. It's actually reversed in the way it should be translated. You see, what we're translating it is, if I'm staying pure sexually, if I'm keeping myself pure from the sin of the world, and I'm not living greedy, then I'm living like a child of God. 
But that's not the way it should be translated. It should be translated to where it says, because I'm a child of God, I'm not living in sexual sin. Because I'm a child of God, I'm not participating in impure things. Because I'm a child of God, I'm not driven by greed of this world. Because of who I've already become in God, not who I'm trying to become, but because of what he's already done inside of me, he's already working in me, and momentous is already happening in such a way that a change, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm talking to you, that a change has occurred. And I'm not just, do you know what the difference is? Are you ready for this? Here's the difference. The first way says, check, check, check. Oh, I'm a good enough Christian this week. The second way says, I'm a good Christian. Am I living like it? Because Paul just knocks it home, then he says, let's just, I mean, so you're going to talk about people who are out, you know, sleeping together and looking at porn and, and, and stealing. He said, well, let's just talk about it. Let's just get it on down where you're living. He said, uh, people who tell bad jokes, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. That's not for you either. I mean, think about this, folks. He says, that's not for you either. Don't just say, well, at least I'm not over there doing that. No, 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 no. He says, look, let's deal with this. Instead, instead of yourself measuring yourself against the world, realize none of us are ever going to measure up, but it's who God has made us by faith in Christ Jesus. So therefore, let us become thankful that the God who's working in us is getting all the bad out of us, the big things that we see, the little things that we don't see. He's cleaning us up completely. So you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of, God, of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Listen to what he says here in verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. You need to be careful not to live in the darkness. Because every time you have, you feel like you're having to crawl back into the darkness, there's a problem. Wow. You cannot be satisfied with allowing darkness to reign in your life. I'm preaching truth. This is simple truth. You cannot be happy being half a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. You know why I'm saying thank you, Jesus? I actually didn't tell the last story. I told the first service this. I love when I travel internationally. You have not preached until you preach to 11,000 Haitians all in one building, and they are, they are screaming so loud, amen, that the concrete is cracking. I'm like, this is so much fun. But I wouldn't trade that for this moment because I'm doing my job as your pastor right this moment. I'm telling you, you can't find peace with a little bit of darkness in your life because it will make you sick. Listen to the way, we, I want you to see it this way. I actually, I found this. Sin is, is when we step outside of God's best seeking inadequate satiation for an adequate need. It means I, if I have to go into darkness looking for looking for financial satisfaction, if I have to compromise who I am to make that money, I don't have any business doing it. If I have to break my integrity to be involved sexually, I shouldn't be there. 
If my morality is going to be compromised, I have no business being there. Don't participate in these things these people do. Notice, I want you to notice this. Some of your New Living and NIV are poorly translated in, the, in this line. Watch this. For once you were darkness. Some of them say in darkness, but that is a, that is a mistranslation. It says, for once you were darkness. Darkness was in you. It's who you were. You were born with it. Okay? But now you have the light from the Lord, so live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Here's the part I want you to see here. For at one time you were darkness. Folks, we all struggle with the battle of darkness. If a pastor ever stands up here and acts like he doesn't struggle with darkness, he is not being honest. Or she. If somebody tells you, I beat all that sin, (laughs) they're not dead yet. They're still struggling. But just because I, I'm trying to get serious here, but I got to tell you, I'll never forget. I said something like that one day and the little lady comes down front, meets me right here in the front after service. And she said, I just love this church. I said, you do. I said, she said, yes, I do. I said, well, why? She said, because you're just as big a sinner as the rest of us. I said, excuse me? Just because I'm honest about my weaknesses, don't take that as an excuse. Where I'm weak, he's trying to make me stronger. Where you're weak, he's trying to make you stronger. I just want you to realize, though, I've served God my whole life, it feels like. I still have battles. You see, when you start thinking you're okay, that's where your trouble comes in. Because Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us this. It says, the heart is deceitful and above all things and beyond uh, cure. Who can understand? You, You don't even know what's in your heart, folks. Here's what I've asked God, though. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh because you were darkness, folks. Listen to that, that, that passage. You were once, verse seven, or chapter, uh, verse eight says, for once you were darkness, but now you have the light. Maybe just quickly skip. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about these things. That the ungodly people do in secret. Let me, let me, let me, let me, can I translate into, into 2021? It is shameful to even watch TikToks about these things. If there's actually all of these sinful things that people want and there's all of this darkness that people are exposing and, and, and Christians are laughing. But listen to me. Their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. 
This is why it is said, and there's an old hymn that Paul quotes, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Wake up, people. We all fight darkness. This week I watched a video because I was studying for this message, and as I was studying for this, I went and found a video of Yahil Danur. Yahil Danur. Anybody know Yahil Danur? Anybody know who I'm talking about? Yahil Danur was the preeminent witness called in the Nuremberg trials of 1961. Eichmann, the, the, the mastermind behind the, 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 the concentration camps for the Jewish people, is on trial and they call Yahil Danur to the stand. He has survived the, tri- the, the trial of the concentration camps. He's, he's survived the, the, the experiments done upon his body. He, I mean, just horrible things he's been through. And, and, and they call him to testify against Eichmann. And Yahil Denurder takes the stand and he, and he does so well for, for, for such a long period of time. And then all of a sudden, It's like something throws him out of his seat backwards. And he goes from being seated to he's laying against the crevice of the wall, sobbing uncontrollably. They finally step in. The bailiff scoop him up, carry him out. Do you know what one thing no one ever asked him? For 50 years? Why? Why were you sobbing? No one asked him for 50 years. Why were you sobbing? They just assumed it was his pain. They assumed it was his struggles. They assumed it was his weaknesses. And, and Yahil Nur has this famous moment in time where he's sobbing and carried out of the courtroom, just uncontrollably sobbing. sobbing. And, and finally, this man by the name of Mike Wallace meets with him and sits down and does one of the most famous interviews of the end of Mike Wallace's career. And he says, he says, I must ask you the question that no one's ever asked you. And the man knows what he's about to ask. And he says, no one's ever asked me before. And he says, then tell me why. Why did you finally break down? Why, after you had testified so eloquently, did you break down and lose it like you did? And these were his words. Uh, he said to him, was it because of the pain he caused you? Was it because he murdered your family? Was it because of the experiments done upon your body? Why did you lose it? And Yahil says, if you will notice, before that happened, I made eye contact with Eichmann. And he said, in that moment, I saw not a monster, but a man. And I realized how easily that man could have been me. Because the same darkness lies in all of us. And as he said, the same darkness lies in all of us. He was overwhelmed with compassion for his abuse. Folks, We cannot spend our hour in this world pointing our finger at everyone else's darkness 
we must realize that we are the light of the world and the only way that the light shines the brightest is when we deal with the darkness of our own hearts and souls first. Oh God, look inside of us. You think you don't have to fight darkness when you're going to preach about it? It's been a battle this week. It's been a struggle. But I want to tell you, the light shines and it is never overpowered by the darkness. I'll close with this statement, this story today. One of our founding fathers, who history is trying to rewrite at this time, but I'll stick with the stories of my childhood about him, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin lived in the city of Philadelphia, and as this young capital, this young nation was flourishing, the city of Philadelphia quickly was becoming this not city of, as its name would imply, brotherly love, but this city of violence as it was swelling beyond its its infrastructure capabilities. People were not able to sustain themselves. There was there was theft and, and attacks and, and this, 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 this horrible crime wave hits the city of Philadelphia. So Benjamin Franklin sits down and in the way that, that, that he would have done, he, he wrote it out a plan for how to reduce the crime wave. He goes to the city council and this is his plan. Are you ready for this? He said, the reason that the crime rate is so high is if you will notice, he lays it out in his paper, you'll notice that the crime happens after dark, predominantly. So he said, the crime happens in the darkness, so we must light up the darkness. So he lays out a plan and a map that, that they could light the whole city of Philadelphia with lanterns. That they would, they, that they would go through and light the streets and and that his his proposal said this will greatly reduce the crime wave. What would a good local government do? They argued over it. They fought over the expense. Who will trim the wicks? Who will pour in the the fuel? Who will be responsible? any damage that's caused by these I mean all the arguments that you normally would hear all of them are heard from this this, this fledgling little uh, city council and, and they're all heard and, and, and so they vote and they, they say no and they deny his request for the streets to be lit with lanterns you know what Benjamin Franklin does he doesn't throw a fit and he doesn't do his normal thing of writing a paper about it he goes home, he gets his tools out, he digs a hole, he puts in a lamp post, and he puts a lamp in his yard and lights up his own yard. And every night, he lights his yard. The road that he lived on, the street that he lived on, so enjoyed the light from his lamp post that his neighbor thought, you know what, I'll add a lamp post. And before long, you became a status symbol on that street to have a lamp post. So before long, that street was lit and before long it began to move from street to street and and they were all lit and everywhere the streets were lit the crime rate plummeted and then suddenly now only the wealthier side of town has the lamps so now they've got to make it fair so the whole city has to come along and they like the city and the crime rate plummets 
All because one man said, I might not be able to solve the city's darkness, but I can solve mine. This is a simple message today. We may not be able to solve all the world's problems, but I can tell you where it starts. Right here. When we deal with our own. Stand with me today. I preached a little long today. Honestly, I'm not sorry. I don't do that that often. The reason I'm not sorry is I know that I've told you what God sent me to tell you. The darkness has no place inside of the children of the Most High God. And if you have compromised and allowed the darkness to rule in your life, it is time for you to repent and turn from the darkness. You were the darkness, but now you are the children of the Most High chosen, favored and he wants you to light up this world Father we bow our heads today in humble prayer search our hearts oh God I'm asking you Holy Spirit to literally begin to till the ground as your scripture tells us that seed is cast out on different kinds of ground and I'm asking you Lord to till the ground to find good and fertile ground that those who've allowed any depth of darkness, Lord, there, there's some connections and some, some subscriptions and some, some phone numbers and things that have got to go. They've got to go. So that the darkness is not made room for. And may the light that shines overpower the darkness in our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Those that are watching or those that are listening, listen to my voice very carefully. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, there's some darkness in my life that I want to confess. And I'm going to ask God to heal me of that and deliver me from that. I want to see your hand as quickly as you can. Get it up in the air. Get it up in the air. Hands literally going up all over this place. God's going to meet you right where you are. God's going to meet you right where you are. God's going to meet you right where you are. Thank you. Put those hands down. I'm going to ask you another question today. This is going to be quick. If you're here today, you can put your hands down in this room before I, I, I ask this question. I want to ask this question. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never chosen to live in the light of Christ. I've never chosen to give my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you're going down the road right now listening. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your This is your experience with God that you've been waiting for. And you want to say today that you're leaving the darkness behind and you're coming into the light. You're stepping into the light of Jesus Christ and today you're going to confess Him as your Lord and Savior. I didn't embarrass anybody else to raise their hand and I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you today, I want to pray with you right where you are. If you say today you want to leave the darkness behind and you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to see your hand right where you are. If you would, just hold it up high. Thank you, one, two, Three, thank you. Are there others who will join with these three today? You can put those down. Four, thank you. Are there others today? This is your moment. This is your time. Who will join with these four? Are there others? This is it. This is it. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here's what the Bible says. Somebody said, Pastor, you pray that every Sunday. I hope I never stop praying this. This is what the Bible says, that if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be born again. And so today, we're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord with these four that have responded. And we believe that the light of Jesus Christ is going to change their lives forever. Then I'm going to pray for everybody. Come on, I want every voice lifted, even those that are driving along, those that are watching right now. Lift your voices with us. Jesus, by faith, I confess I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ, your only Son, came for me, died for me, and now lives again. And now I repent of my sins. And because of his sacrifice, I am forgiven. From this moment forward, I declare, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for those that prayed that for the very first time today. I thank you for those that made it a point of rededication. I thank you for the lives that have been changed in every service today. And Lord, I thank you that right now you see all of us where the darkness thinks it's going to win. The light has never been overpowered and the light of Jesus Christ now brings the victory. Thank you, Father, that every struggle it's coming into the light. It's coming into the light. And the light of Jesus Christ will give us victory. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, give God a praise today. Lives have been changed. God bless you. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.